Welcome, and thank you for downloading Movement Christian Church's sermon podcast. Here at Movement, we are passionate about God's Word and helping each other move closer to God. Thank you for choosing to grow with us today. And now, here's our lead minister, Bobby Wallace. We are starting a new series today. It is called Wild Men, all right? Last month, we kind of went from the perspective of ladies or or moms, if you will. We talked about mama knows best and some godly advice we can learn from our moms and things we can learn from Scripture. This month, being Father's Day coming up in a couple weeks, we are talking about wild men. We're looking at men from Scripture, some of them really good examples, some of them might not have been so great examples, but we're learning what can we learn from them. Now, before you ladies sort of clock out, Don't do that because there's something for all of us in these messages. There's principles that we can learn in all of it. And as we're looking at it, we look at these lives of these men, some of them really godly and then some of them not so godly. Today we're talking about a guy you may or may not, depending on how much you've read the Bible, been around church, you may or may not know this guy, but his name is Esau, E-S-A-U, Esau. And he was a twin who came about in a really interesting, very biblical, crazy story way. I challenge you to go back in Genesis and kind of read the story of his and his brother Jacob's birth and uh, all the prophecies that came and just the, the crazy way they were born. But they were two very different twins. I guess it's pretty safe to say they were fraternal, not identical, um, because the Bible describes them as being very different in the way they looked and also in the way they acted. But as I'm thinking about Esau, if you know about Esau, I'll tell you a, a modern day Um, correlation for that is, uh, and I've talked about this before, but just in case you need a little bit of fun in your life, what you do is you go on Google and you put in your birth date included with Florida man. All right, Florida man, anybody done this? So you put your birth date and Florida man, and I'll tell you, you'll find some interesting stuff. Our daughter lives down in Florida, and, and, and it's very true. You know, there, there's some crazy things. I don't know why Florida has gotten the rap. There's, you know, pay, people that do some questionable things everywhere, but Florida, man, is just providing entertainment for us day in and day out. I, just for kicks, I went and Googled just today's date and Florida, man, and the best one, there was multiple options to choose from, but the best one for today, uh, June 6th, is Florida, man, is arrested with seven missing zoo animals in his apartment. There had been 11 animals taken from a local zoo, and this one dude had seven of them chilling in his apartment, like a couple of big tortoises and uh, like a sort some sort of like spider monkey type monkey, and I mean just all kinds of craziness going on. And I'm like, thanks, Florida. You're the gift that keeps on giving. It's just you know Disney World plus Florida man, and it's just you know awesome. And but I think about Esau. I kind of think about he would be. Florida man, you know, he would be a guy who would just do questionable things, wouldn't always think before he acted, and there's a crazy story, but we see a a description about him, he was described as hairy, even as a baby, and it was like bright red hair, and you know, I mean, it was just, it was just weird, just a weird scenario, he was an outdoorsman, which, I mean, that's cool and everything, but he kind of took it to the extreme, and he was always just about right now. All right, he was always just about the right now. He wasn't thinking about tomorrow. He wasn't thinking about 10 years from now. He was only thinking about, boom, right here, this moment, this instant. And no greater example 
then what we can find is found in Genesis 25. Genesis 25, it's a little snippet but powerful, important part of their story, him and his brother Jacob. And it says in verse 29, Once when Jacob was cooking stew, Esau came in from the field and he was exhausted. Esau said to Jacob, let me eat some of that red stew for I am exhausted. And then it says in parentheses, therefore his name was called Edom. Jacob said, sell me your birthright now. Esau said, I am about to die. Of what use is a birthright to me? Jacob said, swear to me now. So he swore to him and sold his birthright to Jacob. Then Jacob gave Esau bread and lentil stew, and he ate and drank and rose and went his way. Then Esau despised his birthright. All right, this is a weird, weird story. And these brothers have a weird, weird life and connection together. But basically, just to make sure you understood what we we said right there, Esau comes in, he'd been outdoors. It may have just been a couple of hours. But have you ever been there, done that, when you, like, you come in and you're like, oh, I'm about to starve to death. It's been 30 minutes since my last meal. You know, y'all ever been there? Uh, maybe your kids have done that. You know, if you got kids, you know, they come in, Mom, I'm about to starve to death. It's like you've ate 12 Twinkies in the past, you know, 10 minutes. Oh, I'm about to starve. And, you know, he comes in, he's like, I'm about to starve to death. And he smells this red stew, this lentil stew that, that Jacob is making and he says give me some I'm about to die and Jacob being the kind of guy that he is and he's not always on the up and up I mean his his name literally means deceiver or or liar or cheater uh when if you go back and read his birth story there's this cool incidence where he's actually holding his brother's uh heel as a baby and you ever you ever use the phrase if somebody's trying to pull a fast one and say oh you're pulling my leg that's where that comes from so you might win Jeopardy. If you win Jeopardy with that, you got to share some money with me, just, just so you know. But pulling your leg comes from Jacob and Esau in the Bible because he was grabbing his brother's ankle as, he, as they were being born. And so he says he's a cheater guy and he's kind of deceptive. And so he says, here's an opportunity. I know my brother. I know he doesn't think about tomorrow. So for a bowl of stew, I'm going to trade him his birthright. Now, for us, a birthright may like, what does that really even mean? Well, the firstborn son in that culture would often get two-thirds of the family inheritance. So imagine what kind of windfall that might be. If you had 12 brothers and sisters, guess what? The firstborn would still get two-thirds. And the other 11 or 10 or however many there were would divide the other third. So birthright meant everything. You got the greatest blessing, supposedly. You got everything handed to you. Your life was going to be set if you came from a wealthy family, especially. And so Esau gave it all up, all up for a bowl of soup. Now, can I be real with y'all? I don't want to offend anybody, but if somebody, if I'm going to somebody's house, I'm probably going to offend somebody, but I just got to be honest. This is on my heart. I'm going to testify here, tell the truth, let the Lord love me. If I go to your house and you be like, oh, we're having soup and sandwiches, I will burn your house down. I'll, I'll, I'll burn your, <laughs> some of y'all that don't know me are like, um, we got to go. <laughs> I'm, I'm kidding. I'll make it look like an accident. You can get insurance. Um, no <laughs> 
I've just never been the kind of soup and sandwiches guy. Panera bread, pointless. Why? Why go? Why? Why am I gonna pay somebody for soup and sandwiches? No. And when I was in elementary school, we had soup day. I was like, oh. I mean, it just it just gets something going in my heart. I, I don't know what it is. Now, I, I like potato soup, you know, that's a little more hearty, I guess, but I don't even like, like, vegetable beef stew that much. I can eat it. Now, I'm exaggerating a little bit, but not really. Um, but I cannot imagine, I cannot imagine selling my inheritance, trading my inheritance for a bowl of stinking soup, you know? <laughs> but the truth is, we all do a lot of really, really silly things and trade our futures away for a few moments of pleasure, don't we? And if we're all in honesty, I've probably traded away some of my future for a lot less important things than even a bowl of soup. You know, and Esau was that kind of guy who just really did not have his focus on what the future might hold and he only thought about today. But before we bash him too much, let's think about his brother for a second. We've already alluded to how his brother was a little bit shady, right? Jacob, who later became known as Israel, who's the, you know, the father of the nation of Israel, so to speak, he was extremely flawed as well. He cheated, he lied, he deceived. He showed favoritism later in his life. Remember the whole Joseph and the coat of many colors thing? I mean, it was just a, a crazy story that his life led. And then also, really quick, to sort of diverge a little bit from those two brothers just another biblical person we see king david king david was a really good guy but he also had a lot of major flaws you know he was a, a guy who was really messed up we know at least in scripture he may have had more sins at least they were recorded in scripture than esau even had some greater bigger deeper darker sins he committed adultery with one of his uh, soldiers' wives, and then when she got pregnant to cover it up, what did he do? He committed murder just to cover up his sin of adultery. David was a flawed, messed up guy. So was Jacob, and so was Esau. But there's always something that's jumped out at me about King David. Do you remember what's said about him in Scripture? A man after God's own heart. He was called a man after God's own heart. So here's a question I want to ask you guys. Why were David and Jacob remembered positively in Scripture and Esau wasn't? Were David and Jacob a lot better guys in their choices? Not necessarily. David and Jacob made some really, really bad decisions and Esau made some really, really bad decisions. So why do we remember them more favorably than we remember Esau? Here's what's said about them in Scripture. Hebrews 11, 9, speaking about Jacob and David. Hebrews 11, verse 9 and 10 says this. By faith, when he went to live in the land of promise, as in a foreign land, living in tents with Isaac and Jacob, heirs with him of the same promises, speaking about Abraham, says, for he was looking forward to the city that has foundations whose designer and builder is God. So Jacob is included there in that discussion with Abraham and his father Isaac talking about he was looking forward to the city that has foundations whose designer and builder is God. Skip down to verse 13. It says, these, including all those guys, died in faith, 
not having received the things promised, but having seen them and greeted them from afar. They saw in the future with spiritual eyes, with faith-filled eyes, they saw these things that God had promised. And having acknowledged that they were strangers and exiles on the earth. Verse 14. For people who speak thus make it clear that they are seeking a homeland. If they had been thinking of that land from which they had come out, they would have had opportunity to return. But as it is, they desire a better country that is a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared for them a city. Now, that's, that's a lot of stuff that's in those few verses, and I hope you didn't tune out. But basically what it says is that Jacob and Abraham and Isaac and people like that, they realize that this world is what? Not their home. And for all their flaws, for all their mistakes, all their deception and their lies, they were looking for a home that God was preparing for them. So that's huge. Skip down to verse 32. It says, And what more shall I say? For time should fail me to tell of Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, of David, there he is, and Samuel and the prophets. Who through faith conquered kingdoms, enforced justice, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, quenched the power of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, who were made strong out of weakness, became mighty in war, put armies to flight. Verse 39. And these, all these, those commended through their faith, did not receive what was promised. So all these faithful people, including David, including Jacob, they didn't get what was promised. They didn't get this promised land. Now, they might have been in a promised land, but it wasn't the promised land of heaven. They did not see the Messiah. They did not see Jesus come. They didn't get to be a part. Here's a little secret. What they were really looking for was the church. Guess what? You get to be a part of the church. I get to be a part of the church. That is the promised land that we've been waiting for because the church is just a waiting room for heaven, y'all. If you are part of the church, that means you have been washed in the blood of Jesus and you are living a resurrected life and you are just waiting for your body to catch up when Jesus returns and spend that eternity in heaven. Heaven is going to be amazing, but the church is a great place to be if we, if we make sure that it fits according to Scripture. He says that they were looking for this place that they could be. They did not get what was promised, but verse 40, look at there. Since God had promised something better for us, that apart from us, they should not been, have been made perfect. So they're waiting for the church, for everything to be fulfilled. They wanted to be a part of the church. They just didn't know to call it the church yet. And as we've already said, David got some pretty high praise, didn't he? Let's, let's read that passage we all sort of called out loud. Acts 13, verse 22. It says, when he had removed him, that is Saul, King Saul, he raised up David to be their king, of whom he testified and said, I have found in David, the son of Jesse, a man after my heart, who will do all my will. All right. David, Jacob, flawed guys, right? Esau, flawed guy. But it was said Jacob was chosen to be the father of God's chosen people, the Israelites, back in the Old Covenant. That's pretty, a pretty high standing, wouldn't you say? The, the one that ultimately the Messiah was going to come through. 
You know, he was going to be the, the great, 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 however many greats it would be, grandfather of the Messiah. And he was the guy chosen for that with all his flaws. David, with all of his good things, he still had tremendous flaws, but he was said that he was described as a man after God's own heart who will do all that I have commanded him, all my will. Did he? Did he do everything God commanded? God did definitely not, did not command him to go and sleep with this woman and then kill her husband to cover it up. So how does God talk about people like Jacob and David like that and then in Esau is described differently and remembered differently? You see, here's the reason I believe. Y'all with me? David and Jacob had eternal mindsets. They had eternal mindsets. They were focused on the legacy that they were leaving behind. You hear what we're saying here? Yes, they had flaws. Yes, they committed sins. But they were focused on the legacy that they were leaving behind for people to come and follow. Esau focused on the temporary, not the eternal. He could only think about what was going right now into his mouth, in his belly. He was not focused on heavenly things. He was only focused on earthly things. David and Jacob were focused on chasing after God instead of their next meal. Let me say this. If it doesn't get any more clear, it's not about being sinless. It's about seeking Jesus. Did y'all hear that? Most of us, most of us in here today probably know that in theory. Most of us watching online probably know that in theory, that it's not about being sinless, but it's about seeking Jesus. But when we get caught up in sin and we stumble and fall, where do oftentimes do our minds go? There's no way that God can love me. There's no way that God can deal with my doubts. There's no way that God can deal with my fears and my, my questions and my wonders. There's no way that he can deal with the stuff that I do. It's not just stuff that I do, it's who I am. But that's exactly why he sent Jesus to make us holy and pure and righteous through the blood of him. Jesus, God's son, shed for us to make us holy. So it's not about getting it all right all the time. It's about going to the one who did and does get it right all the time. It's about clinging to Jesus and giving up everything to follow him. That is the difference between David, Jacob, and Esau. They, even with all their flaws, even with all their mistakes, even with the adultery, even with the murder, even with the lies and the deception, they focused their eyes on Jesus. They may not have known him by name, but they believed that God was going to provide the way and a better way. And guess what? You and I know who Jesus is. And even if we don't, we've got an opportunity to know him today. We, there's no doubt, there's no wondering, there's no veiled image of who this Messiah is going to be. He has come and is come. He is the Messiah. And he went to the cross to die for my sin and for your sin. And we have an opportunity to fix our eyes on him and focus on eternal things, not just the present here and now things. These guys, David and Jacob, were determined to leave a legacy that would last beyond them. Esau was only focused on what he could get right here and right now. A little bit more money, a little bit more food, a little bit more stuff, a little bit more satisfaction, a little bit more feeling good. 
So the question is, ladies and gentlemen, which one of those two types, David and Jacob or Esau, do you identify with? Now, if I called on you and put you on the spot, which I won't do, every one of us would probably say, David and Jacob. <laughs> because that's the Sunday school answer, right? You know, just that, you know, you know, Sunday school, you know, some churches used to have that a lot of times. So, you know, if you ever, like, are dozing off, like, if I ever call on you and be like, hey, what's the most, you know, blah, blah, you don't know what the question is, just say, Jesus! <laughs> I mean, that's, that's a good shot, right? And so the answer for most of us would be like, David and Jacob, that's who I identify with. That's who we should identify with, right? That's who we want to identify with. But let me ask it this way. When I look at my life, when you look at your life, when you look at your choices, when you look at your priorities, when you look at the decisions you make, which do you identify with? You see where I'm going with this? It's not so much about what you want the answer to be. It's what is the answer based on the decisions and the choices and the priorities that you make. Do you identify more with David and Jacob or do you identify more with Esau? You want to do the right things. We want to do the right things. We want to follow God. We want to be eternally minded. But the question you and I have to answer is what do our choices point to? What does our life point to? What do our sacrifices, if we do sacrifice, what do they point to? Do they point to being eternally minded or do they point to being all about the here and now? Filling my belly, satisfying my desires and my wants or giving everything to God? Which do we fit into? And before we get caught up making excuses, and we all like to make excuses, before we get caught up saying, oh, well, this is just an Old Testament thing. You're talking about Old Testament people, and they had to get it all right, and they had to follow the law, and if they messed up, they had to do all these sacrifices. It's not just an Old Testament thing. The Apostle Paul warned the church at Philippi about the same type of thing, and you and I need to be careful who we imitate. He says in Philippians chapter 3, beginning in verse 17, he says, brothers, join in imitating me. That's what Paul says. And keep your eyes on those who walk according to the example you have in us, the apostles. For many of whom I have often told you and now will tell you even with tears in my eyes. I added my eyes part, but that's where tears come from. Walk as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their end is destruction. Their God is their belly. And their glory is in their shame with minds set on earthly things. But our citizenship is in heaven, and from it we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. Doesn't that sound exactly like what Paul, what, what Paul is saying? Doesn't that sound exactly like what Esau's choices were like? His God was his stomach, and he was glorying in his shame. He's like, oh, I don't care. What is a birthright? If I, you know, if I die today from starvation, I haven't eaten in two and a half hours, you know? And when we get caught up in sin, we justify it with silly little excuses, don't we? Oh, I, I'm starving to death. That's why I did that. You know, I, I get hangry. I need a Snickers a lot of times. But we still justify our rage and our anger. We justify our sin with all these silly excuses. But what Paul says is don't be like them. So the question is this. How do you leave a legacy that lasts? 
how do you make sure that you identify more with David and Jacob than somebody like Esau? How do you actually do it? There's a difference between wanting to and actually doing it, right? There's a difference between wanting to and actually doing it. Here's what it says in that passage, I believe. The first one is this. Just simplify it. Imitate faithful people. Imitate faithful people. What did Paul say there in verse 17? Join in imitating me and keep your eyes on those who walk according to the example you have in us. Imitate faithful people. Can you imitate somebody who you don't pay attention to? You can't. I'm a little bit of a mimic, a little bit of a parrot. You know, I can do voices a little bit if I, if I hear them, but that's the key. I need to hear it. Even if I've done the voice for years, if I haven't heard it for a few minutes, I need to hear a clip of that movie. Like one of my favorites, and I don't know if it's really good, but it's fun to do, is y'all remember the movie Ice Age? You remember Shed the Sloth? I love that. But there was a long time, it took me a long time to get that particular lisp down, but I had to watch him over and over, Shed the Sloth, you know. Hey guys, let's go! Come on, Manny! Um, <laughs> but my point is this, if you want to imitate somebody or something, you have to watch it. If you want to imitate faithful people, you got to spend time with faithful people. You have to be with your church family. You have to look and watch how their lives play in and out. And i got a secret, and I say this kind of thing so it's not too big of a secret, but you will not get a great picture of how somebody lives a faithful life by just being with them for an hour a week. It won't happen. You need to spend time with faithful people, and we have no excuse. We can do it physically. We can do it virtually now. We can do it through text message, through anything. We've got so many opportunities to walk beside people who are faithful, to see how they live a faithful life, not just when we come together for an hour a week. Here's the easy place to live a faithful life, right? Anybody can pull their train wreck together long enough to make it look good here for an hour. But when we get out, the duct tape comes off the train wheels and the train wheels, the train starts smoking and spitting and sputtering. And we need other faithful people to encourage us and help us move along. They don't have it perfect. They're like David and Jacob too. They've made mistakes, but they have an eternal mindset. And you and I need to surround ourselves with people like that. Spend time with them all the time. Learn how to pray like they pray. Learn how to share your faith like they do. Find people who love Jesus and other people well. They're not perfect. Don't look for somebody perfect because they don't exist. But find people who love Jesus and love other people well. Here's another way I simplify what Paul says there in this passage. Go against the flow. Go against the flow. That may be an oversimplification, but I want that principle in your mind. If the culture is doing one thing, there's a fair bet you should probably do the other thing that's not a hard fast rule that's not scripture per se as in you know this is a definite you can always count on that but if if culture is doing one thing and you definitely see that it fits against the bible you definitely need to go against the culture and fit the bible you need to go against the flow and not do what the majority of people are doing because Jesus himself talked about the road to destruction being wide and the gate to destruction being broad and many people will enter through it. The crowd is often not going to side with God. And that the way to life was narrow and only a few would find it. So find those faithful people 
who are doing life right as best they can. They've got flaws, they've got mistakes, but they're seeking and fixing their eyes on Jesus and go against the flow. Focus on heavenly things. That's what going against the flow is. Focus on getting people to know Jesus. Focus on doing those different things. You know, grow the kingdom of God. And you may be sitting here, and Satan's whispering in your ear right now, and he's saying, you don't have anything to offer. You don't have any skills or abilities that God can use. That's a lie, y'all. That's a lie straight from the pit of hell. God used a donkey. He used a donkey to make his message clear at one time. And you can make the correlation between me and all you want. I'll I'll be that. Come on, Shrek. You you can do that. But God can use anybody, anything. He can use anybody if you're just willing and able to go against the flow and submit yourself and yield yourself to him. Make people understand who Jesus is. Many other people are making their God, uh, their stomach into their God, and they're glorying in their shame. That's That's the main essence of our culture today is what should I be ashamed of? That's going to be my thing I praise the most. And that hurts people's hearts. We don't say that to be judgmental. We say that to hopefully set people free from the shackles of sin. We want people to be free. Don't glory in your shame when you realize you've got something to be ashamed of. Repent, and God wants to free you from that. He doesn't want you to feel shame. He wants you to be set free from that. But don't glory in your shame like Paul said many people do. Seek to be different. And I I know, I know that it's scary standing up and being different and going against the flow. But if we as the church do it together, it's not quite as lonely, is it? So do that being different with other people. And one more thing here. Focus on Jesus. Fix your eyes on Jesus. Verse 20, he says, But our citizenship is in heaven, and from it we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. Focus on leading people to Jesus. Focus on leading people to Jesus as you chase after Jesus. You know what many times we do as the church And I mean this very broadly as a church throughout history, really, over these last couple thousand years, we oftentimes stand here looking up all the time, so to speak, thinking that's exactly where Jesus is going to come from. And so I'm going to make sure, whether it be spiritually or physically, we're doing this and we're being like, hey, y'all, the door's open. Come on in if you want. And that's how we lead people to Jesus. Invite people to church. I want you to invite people to church. Do it, do it, do it, do it. But that's not the end of it. And oftentimes that's not the beginning of it. We need to be chasing after Jesus to be more like him as we see in God's word. And that in itself is attractive to people because it's different. It's different. If you're in a crowd of people and you're all heading this way and you see one person fighting against the tide, you want to know where that person's going and what they're running from, right? And that's what we need to do as the church. We need to be heading in the opposite direction, chasing after Jesus and inviting other people to come along and chase after Jesus with us. That's what makes the difference. That's what helps people's lives be changed by the gospel. Spend time listening to God in his word. 
Spend time talking to him in prayer and spend time talking about Jesus to others. Simply tell your story. I say this all the time. My wife and I have very, very drastic different stories. I was far from God and she was like God's little helper. (laughs) She was a really good person. But you know what? Many years back, she realized that she had developed pride because she felt like I'm pretty good. God didn't have to use as much grace on me. There's plenty more for sinners like you, Bobby. <laughs> she never said that. She never said that. She's, she's too sweet to say that. <laughs> but you know what? My story resonates with a lot of people because a lot of people have gone far from God. But her story resonates with a lot of people too because they have been like that other brother in the story of the prodigal son who doesn't want to come in and party because that sorry brother came home. And so we all have a story to tell. It doesn't matter where you fit in on that spectrum of how far you've run and how much you've rebelled and how much you've shook your fist at God or you've just sort of been there but had your focus off. There's a story that you tell and we need to tell it to other people all the time. So the question is this today. What kind of legacy are you leaving? Who do you resonate more with David and Jacob who were messed up people but had an eternal mindset or Esau who could just never get his mind off of his next meal long enough to focus on God and I sort of asked this question to to wrap up our time together today if your family and friends follow you will they be closer to Jesus or farther away from him If your family and friends and your co-workers watch your example and watch your choices and watch your priorities, will they be closer to Jesus or farther away from him? Sherry's grandfather, one of her grandfathers, was a guy we called Big Daddy. And he's gone to be with Jesus many years ago now. But early on in his life, he had every reason to be far from God. He never knew his dad. He had a lot of horrible things go on in his life, and he made some really bad choices on top of it. And it seemed like he was going completely away from God, but he met a woman um, by the name of Verna May. Do not call her Big Mama. He's Big Daddy, but she is not Big Mama. But he met a woman named Verna May who pointed him to Jesus as she chased after Jesus. And today, many, many, many years later, He's got three sons that are preachers. He was not going to raise preachers on the path he was on before. But he's got three sons that are preachers. He's got two grandsons that are preachers. He's got two grandsons that are elders in the Lord's church. And he's got a whole heritage and a legacy of people who are trying their very best, even though they're full of flaws, to love Jesus more because he was willing to change the trajectory of his life and surrender to Jesus. And so what I say that is why I say that is because it doesn't matter what path you're on, just get off of it and turn to Jesus and change your legacy right here and now. And you can hear the words like he heard, well done, good and faithful servant. And your friends and your family and your children and your neighbors can also hear that good news. Well done, my good and faithful servant. But where are your choices leading you? In just a moment, 
we're going to give you an opportunity if you need to talk with someone and pray with someone about where your legacy is leading right now we want to help you change that and get it on the right path but we're also thank you for listening to movement christian church's sermon podcast want to learn more about us you can do that by visiting our website at movementchristianchurch.com or on our app available on ios and android devices under movement in seed